No one grows up wanting to be a prostitute. Many girls experience uh, pain. Many are abducted or abandoned or conditioned into a certain way of life and thinking, brainwashed into a place that's very dark. Some maybe just want some money. Some are desperate to feed their children or themselves or to survive. But no little girl grows up thinking they'll find themselves in that position. Nobody grows up wanting to be a drug dealer. You don't see that on many little kids' things of what they want to be when they grow up. Oh, they might want cars and affirmation and approval and cell phones and easy cash. But no little kid grows up thinking they want the danger and the fear and the evil that lurks around every corner and the betrayal and the living on the edge. Nobody grows up and wants to work a dead-end job, just punching a clock day after day, just another wheel in the machine. Oh, they would like money and security and a home and a family and a car and a yard and a dog. But they sit day after day at the same desk thinking, this is not the life that I wanted. This is not what I dreamed of when I wanted to grow up. Maybe some of you remember a few years ago, Monster.com did a Super Bowl commercial. It was these little tiny kids, and they were saying things like, when I grow up, I want to file all day long. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be a pencil pusher. When I grow up, I want to be a yes woman, a yes man, yes sir, no sir. When I grow up, I want to be underpaid and underappreciated. And then Monster.com, there's a better job out there. Well, tonight, friends, I want to tell you that in the midst of life, especially those times when we feel like this is not the life that I had imagined. Jesus Christ comes and he one-ups that. He doesn't say there's a better job out there. He says there's a better life out there and I've come to show you what it's all about. Listen to the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is gonna come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Jesus says, for those who want to save their life will lose it whoever loses their life for me will find it. In our series on moments, the moment we're focusing on in the video you saw at the beginning of the service is that moment where to abandon life is a decision of the heart. And in that moment in the video, there's, there's really um, an intense situation where someone is considering what is the value of my life? Is there any worth in my life? And there's even hints and intimations that this person is ready to abandon their life in the sense of ending their life. But in a strange twist, Jesus comes and invites people to do exactly that, to abandon their life, but not in the way that you're thinking. And it's no wonder to me that Jesus comes and when he says, listen, why don't you give up your life because I have a better life? You know, it's Satan, it's the other voice that says, why don't you give up your life because there's no hope and you're better off dead. That's the voice that leads to suicide and to self-destruction and to a commitment to a meaningless existence. On the other hand, it's the voice of Jesus that says, yeah, you do need to give up your life, but do it because there's hope. I've got something better. 
And if you follow me, you might find life that is truly life. One path leads us into more and more darkness and more and more despair. And one path leads us into the light eventually and surely, as small as it may be in the beginning. For see, there comes a point when, when we must abandon our life. And again, I think of the people who will be willing to do that. And I think it's no wonder that Jesus' message was so well received by those who didn't have things going very well for them, by those prostitutes, by those equivalent of criminals, uh, by those who were outcasts, by those who were misfits, by those who were told they're no good and they just need to stay on the edges of society, by those, by those who really didn't have much of a life, especially in that society, in that time. And that place, it's no wonder that women flocked to him. It's no wonder that young people were fascinated by him. It's no wonder that everyday day workers and laborers were willing to cast down their nets, to let go of the laundry, to pick up and to follow Jesus Christ. Because they're like, yeah, this life, it's not what I thought it would be. And it's not so great. And you've got something for me, Jesus? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take whatever you got. Because I don't have much right now. The message is sometimes most powerful to those who need it the most. For we know that Jesus comes and he calls each and every one of us. His invitation is open. But there are others who are just maybe stuck. And I think about those people who don't follow Jesus. What are, the re what are the reasons you would not want to abandon your life? Is your life so good? And who leads a life that is so good for their entire life? You know, what, what is the example of day after day? It's just like, you know, better and better and better. I don't think the world can offer that. I don't think that can be offered outside of Jesus Christ. Because of the world we live in. Because the things that we pursue by nature are, are temporary. Money, fame, uh, cars, power, influence, uh, security. Uh, these things are fleeting in our world. They're not what's permanent. In fact, one of the reasons we come and we gather together every week or as often as we do is because we sing songs because we must remind ourselves of the truth of God. Isn't that interesting? That's an important clarification. Sometimes it's like we're praying and, and it's like, well, doesn't God already know that? Well, yeah, he does. He doesn't need to be reminded of the eternal truths of his power, of his strength, of his love, his security. But we need to be reminded. And that's why we sing it. As we sing it, we remind ourselves, we remind each other that the things that are eternal are the things that God promises, that God offers. That's why someone penned that phrase, without you, I am nothing. And that's why that phrase got repeated, because they got to that point where they're just like, without you, I'm nothing. And there's really nothing more to say at that point, is there? And that's why that line gets repeated and gets repeated and gets repeated. But some people get stuck. Some people are busy. Some people are fearful. Some people just seem to, to, to not want to give up some parts of their lives for some reason. And so I'm fascinated by what is it that would make someone abandon their life and follow Jesus. So I wanted to look briefly at a story in the Bible of someone who did that, a brief story of someone who gave up their life, who abandoned what they were doing in order to follow Jesus. This is from Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. 
But as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and he followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. Interesting phrase, huh? For there were many who followed him. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Don't you love, I just love a little bit of humor in the story sometimes. We miss it just reading it, but did you catch that? These Pharisees and tax collectors, somehow they're watching what's going on. <laughs> were they invited, you know, and they were there? Or were they just like, hey, there's a party going on. We can't go in, but let's stand outside and see what's going on, huh? Like, oh, look at that. Oh, there's that Jesus. He's eating with sinners. And they don't even go directly to Jesus. Don't you love it? That's how we are as humans. We can't take our problems directly to the person. So they call his disciples over, probably the closest one there. Like, come here, come here, come here, come here. You're one of his disciples, right? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, can you tell me why is Jesus eating with all these tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus hears this. I like to think from far across the room. And he pops up and he goes, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. And people around him go, what? What is he talking? He's talking to somebody over there? So they've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And how did the people respond? I mean, they think, we're sick? We're sinners? But here's the key. Maybe they knew that. Maybe in some way they knew that. So why would someone abandon their life and follow Jesus? Well, the first point I want to make is I noticed from the text, and you notice this several times, that Levi just did it. Hey, sometimes if we're stuck and we're not sure how to follow Jesus, we just need to do it, right? There's no explanation. It doesn't give a reason. It doesn't say whether this job was necessarily good or bad. We come in. We speculate. We have all of these things. But the reality is he was just doing his job like you and I do our jobs. And the call of Jesus came. And when he heard the voice of Jesus, he said, all right, that's it. I'm up. Let's go. Right? Sometimes we need to just do it. Right? Because we get all caught up. We think, well, we got to have the right motivation. we got to have the right heart. we got to be in the right place. Right? And then we'll motivate people to do it. And so much of Christianity is spent in that way. You know, and, and I, I remember, remember struggling with this, and, and, and I was asking this guy, this, uh, uh, you know, a, a Bible teacher one time at a conference I was at, and I was walking along with him, and I, I said, isn't it that we have to get our heart in the right place? You know, our heart has to be changed, and then we can do good works. And he said, you know, he goes, you would think that. He said, but sometimes you just need to do the good works, and then your heart will change. He said, did you know that, that Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer, um, he didn't want the book of James in the Bible because it says faith without works is dead. He just wanted Romans that said faith is apart from works. He said, but somehow they work together. Yes, God changes your heart and then you can do good. But sometimes you just need to do good and then your heart changes. Maybe Levi just got up and did it. Wouldn't that be something? Maybe that's the message for some of you tonight doesn't matter the motivation, doesn't matter if you understand it or not, but if Jesus is calling you and you hear the call of Jesus tonight, you may not understand why, but just do it. There's great reward in following Jesus and just doing it. And then the only other clue we can get is from what Jesus says himself. He says, I'm sitting here with people that are sick and are sinners. And so you gotta think, you gotta infer, and this is just my idea, that somehow Levi knew that about himself. First of all, to know that he's sick, he just knows something's wrong. 
He knows when you're sick, something's wrong. It's not working right. Your body is not functioning the way it's supposed to. In his life, he was sick. He was sick and tired. And when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're ready to abandon your life. And maybe in some way he knew I'm sick. My life's not right and I'm sick of it. Yeah, Jesus. Because Jesus said, that's my message. That's who I've come to call. And maybe we need to understand that as well to follow Jesus' call. We need to, we need to acknowledge that something's not right in our lives. Right? Is that what we say? If anybody wants help, first have to admit that they've got a problem. It's as old as time itself. We just have to admit, hey, I've got a problem. Until you do that, friends, I don't know how you can follow Christ. I don't know how you can get healed. You won't overcome any addictions. You won't change a single thing in your life. I'm sorry. Until you admit that there's something wrong. Something wrong. And I need help. The moment you say, I can't kick this on my own. I got to get some help. I got to see the doctor. And when it comes to your soul and your spiritual life, you got to get to that point where you're like, I'm so, something's wrong. And I need Jesus. I need the doctor. I need the great physician to heal my life. Secondly, he knew that he was a sinner. And this we guess with a little more certainty because of how he was looked at, right, by the Pharisees. We know right in the story, he weren't looked at very kindly, had a bad reputation, knew he was on the outside, knew he wasn't good enough. In fact, he probably didn't expect any rabbi, any religious leader to ever come and talk to him other than to criticize him or put him down or sneer at him or give him a lecture about what he was doing as a tax collector, right? But instead, this rabbi, this religious leader, this person, Jesus, and remember, he had a large crowd, a lot of people following him. This is not an unknown at this point. This rabbi, this leader comes and says, hey, buddy, why don't you follow me? That must have been huge. That must have been huge. That'd be like a Christian leader today going out on the street and just grabbing the roughest looking dude and saying, hey, I want you to come and take over my, join me in my ministry. Come on. Let's come on stage, you know? That would be huge, right? Be like some great Christian author or speaker, and she goes out and she just grabs like the woman with the bad reputation, and says, Hey, I want you to be on my board. I want you to be my second in command. Come on. A person would be like, well, Are you crazy? I'm not worthy. I'm a sinner. I'm an outsider. And because he knew that, and because God loved us so much that he sent his son to show us that love, he responded to that love. Because see, until we accept the fact that God loves us, we can't follow Jesus. We can't accept God's love until we know that we need God's love. And that's the honesty of saying, I am on the outside. I'm not very good. I'm not a great Christian. I don't have a lot going on in my life. At that point, the message of God is, I love you. And he knew we'd have a hard time getting it. That's why he sent Jesus, to show us, to teach us, to explain to us, I understand. It's hard as a sinner to believe that a great and holy and perfect God can love me. So let me put on your skin and bones. Let me come down and take off my shoes. Let me walk with you and show you that I love you, that I really, really, really love you. So those who are sick, who know something is wrong in their life, those who are sinners who know they stand on the outside of good religious life, you are the ones that Jesus has called. You who are just going about your daily job, your job that you do because it's the job that you do. Jesus comes to you tonight. He says, hey, why don't you abandon your life and follow me? 
How's that working for you in your life? Is it working okay? Or would you like something better? Is this what you thought it would be when you dreamed as a kid? Is your life so precious that you got to hang on to it? You can't lose any piece of it? Is it really that great? Why don't you let go of it? Let me show you what greatness is. So I had an idea as I wrap up tonight. I had an idea, and I don't think this is anything, you know, greatly biblical, or I don't know what scholars would say about it, but I feel like it, it applies to our society and who we are today. I don't even know if it would work anywhere else. But we got this thing where we always talk about one day at a time, right? You know, people in recovery talk about one day at a time, right? And sometimes you just got to focus on one day at a time and just doing that. So I had this idea that maybe this idea of abandoning our life was just too big, you know? Like, like recovery is too big or any kind of change is too big. And maybe we just need to do it one day at a time, right? One of my teachers in college said his, he was uh, the head of the discipleship program for the Christian college. And we said, well, what's your definition of discipleship? He's like, here's my definition of discipleship. When you get to a place where you have a daily declaration of your dependence on God, that's the goal of discipleship. A daily declaration of my dependence upon God. So I thought, what if we tried this? What if you just tried abandoning your life for a day? Right? Just start tomorrow. Start Monday or start Tuesday. I don't know. But just take a day. You wake up and say, okay, God, I'm going to abandon my life. I'm just going to let go of everything. You guide me. You direct me. I'll turn over everything to you. All my worries, all my cares, all my agendas, all my plans, all my dreams, all my hurts, all my fears. I'm not going to focus on them today. I'm not going to listen to them. I'm not going to feed my addictions. I'm not going to try to numb my pain. I'm going to step back, step off, step down and just abandon my life for one day. How about that? Should we try that? And then maybe we try it for one day, maybe we try it another day. <laughs> maybe we start stringing together days where we abandon our life to Jesus Christ. And there'll be a day where we'll grab it back, right? <laughs> we'll pick it up again and be like, ah, this is my life. I gotta do this. You know, that felt good. That was a nice break, but let me take my life back. And you'll get sick and tired of <laughs> doing that. And Jesus will come and tap again and say, hey, wait a minute. Remember I asked you to, oh, okay. I'll Try it again. Same way we do with everything else, right? So I'd like you to think for a moment as we wrap up this time, as we close in prayer. Go ahead, just in your mind right now. What would it look like for you to abandon one day of your life to God? Think about it. Just imagine what you're, in your life what that would look like. Listen right now to what God is telling you. God, just say, God, what would it look like for me to just abandon my life, one day of my life to you? What would it look like? And listen carefully, because God's going to speak something into your spirit right now. Speak something into your mind that's just, poof. It's going to give you a creative idea of how you can do that. As you're thinking about that, I just remind you of the truth that God loves you. He's for you, not against you. That whatever you give up... <laughs> In the end, you'll never regret. What you abandoned, you couldn't hold on to anyhow. No matter how hard you try. Holy Spirit, give those who, who, who desire to follow you. Lord, just give them this idea of what they can do. 
make a commitment to God in this closing time. Make a commitment to say, God, I'll abandon this day to you. As much as I can, just help me to see how it goes. close with this thought. In a song we sang earlier, it says, and when he, Jesus, shall come with trumpet sound, well, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. And the verse I read said, Jesus will come, the Son of Man will come, and he will judge each person according to what they have done. And we've taken that and we've twisted it so badly that we put a burden upon people that you have to do all of these things, right? What if the message, because it was just before that he said, give up. What if really God's looking at the things you do as the things you give up? That's your acts of righteousness. It's what I give up. It's what I lay down. It's what I abandon. And as Ryan shared with us last week, it's because we become like Christ, that we put on Christ and his righteousness and his goodness, right? his life that he gives us friends so there's no fear of standing in the judgment of God because when we give up those things that's what he's looking for yes you gave it up when we do he gives us his life and suddenly the life of Christ is upon us right his righteousness and when God looks at you he sees his son Jesus and when he looks at you he sees Jesus and when he looks at you he sees the righteousness of his son Jesus because you were willing to abandon your life and to receive the life that Jesus has to offer you I just want you to pray right now I want to give you that opportunity in Jesus name as you think about it, the practical side of abandoning a day of your life to God are you willing to give your life to Jesus in this moment you can give your life to Jesus you can receive his life. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Jesus, I receive your life. And Jesus, I thank you for your power at work in this place. I thank you for your love at work in this place. Thank you for your call that lovingly and consistently comes to each and every one of us. Come, 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 follow me. Come, follow me. Come, live and walk with me. Thank you, Jesus. Give us the courage to follow.